and welcome back to another episode of Ladies First, a.k.a. the rolling Los Angeles power blackouts are not going to beat us tonight. Um, <laughs> I'm Corey. Elizabeth's here with me. Hi. We've been having so much fun. Uh, <laughs> We're in California and everything is on fire. Yes. Um, we are going to be talking about a broader topic today. It's not going to be show specific. I know we're just coming off of a Sensate episode, but we kind of have more of a community topic that we want to discuss today, and it is about celebrity culture and our community's consumption of celebrity culture. So, you know, kind of buckle up. This one's going to be a little intense. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, I, I should preface this going in. This is obviously not directed at the entire community. Um, obviously, most of us are very well behaved. Um, you know, it's not necessarily an issue. But there are certain elements that are a little disconcerting that we kind of wanted to talk about. So, you know, not all... Don't don't come back with not all queer women. We know it's not all queer women, but it is an issue. So we kind of wanted to maybe address it on this forum. The reason why we're addressing it is because this issue is common enough and it's been around long enough that people know that it's an issue. It warrants discussion. Not that it's an accusation of the whole community, but the people who actually do these sorts of things probably need to have the spotlight shined on them. Right, and because, you, <laughs> it's not when a you're good thing. listening to this and you hear the specific behaviors, you're going to know exactly what we're talking about. Yes. Um, so again, yes, pl- please don't get defensive and respond with not all queer women. It, we're not addressing this to the entire queer community. And to also <laughs> preference, um, when we're, we're going to be talking about actresses playing queer, and this is specifically for uh, film and television. So I wanted to go ahead and preface that and get that uh, specified off the bat. Yes, and when we say play queer, we mean we, 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 what we mean to imply is a a cis het um, actor who's playing an LGBT character that we know of. Although, yes, we someone who has not publicly come out. Yeah, it's it's possible that we don't know, but you know, we only have to work with the information we have. Right. So, um, moving into that, um, I think what really sparked me wanting to talk about this now was previously when an actress played a queer character, you know, it was, you would have the queer lady fandom practically for the rest of your career, you know, (laughs) look at, um, imagine me and you with Piper Perabo and Lena Headey. Okay. I I, I, I watched Coyote Ugly. For Piper Parabo. I'm sorry. Like we are loyal ride or as die. fuck. We are That's ride or die. Thing. From the older community, at least, like there is some loyalty, some bone deep loyalty that goes in there. That I will watch something for you that I know I will hate, but you're in it, so I'm going to support you. I know that there are some of you who are still clinging to Game of Thrones because of Lena Headey, and we respect that sacrifice. Yes, Much we, we no, it's a noble sacrifice. Although there's Lucy Lawless is on Ash and the Evil Dead. That was okay. I probably should catch up on that. You should. It's Bruce Campbell and Lucy Lawless. Anyways, yes. anyway, Lucy Lawless is another topic. one that we follow. Or 
No, I'll tell you, Renee O'Connor and those sci-fi movies she's done. I was about to I will say, watch them. Uh, how long I will has it been since Renee O'Connor's been something I could name? Um, but Natasha Lyonne and Cleo Duvall from But I'm a Cheerleader. Well, to be fair, Natasha Lyonne is now on Orange is the New Black, and like that's super mega popular. But the point she also played to... a lesbian in American Pie. That true. That too. Um, but the point we're trying to get is it used to be if you were an actress who played a queer character, the queer lady community would follow you. I mean, you pretty much had a built-in fan base for life. Almost unquestionably. And I've kind of noticed there's been a shift. Uh, and it kind of, for me, I really started noticing it with Glee, which is, you know, obviously one of Elizabeth's favorite topics. Yay! I'm tired so, of watching it, but I love talking about it. <laughs> that should be on your tombstone. Um, <laughs> yeah. I believe it was one of the first ones where I started recognizing there was this change of behavior, and I've started seeing parts of our community that are kind of internalizing what I think of as, as celebrity culture at large, some of the more toxic elements of it. And I don't think this is a positive aspect for our community going forward as we grow. I see it as appropriating something from straight culture that is part of mainstream culture, but not necessarily something we should appropriate. It's sort of funny right. to, to phrase it that way. There okay, are but, some things that the straights do that we should not necessarily take. But the reason why I say this is that it used to be that the queer community had a reason to fear and despise tabloids because they are the enemy. So this I'm, is sort the of something culture, especially exactly because this is something like it's like now that because I was actually thinking about this all week after you sent me the outline. I'm like, what was the switch? Like maybe this this is probably a big part of it. Is that since we don't have this outing culture the way we did like even just 10 years ago that now mm -hmm. that we're allowed to care about these things we've actually started to participate in celebrity culture in a new way than we used to well and i mean the thing about celebrity culture is like it is everywhere you cannot yeah. escape this this is a three billion dollar a year industry there is a lot of money in following celebrities around and reporting on every minute detail of their lives and like elizabeth said you know even just 10 years ago yeah, the TMZs and the tabloids and the Perez Hiltons literally were the enemy because if a queer actor or actress was mentioned, it was usually because they were being outed or something negative was being written about them related to their queerness. Or it's an actor who's been dead for 20 years and was long suspected to be bisexual. And all of a sudden, the secret documents that say he died from AIDS. That was my yeah. personal favorite from the 90s. Is that, the, see, that was, it, that's a that's tabloid code. If they say, uh, it used to be in the 90s, tabloid code is if they accuse somebody of having AIDS, it was their way of saying, we think he's gay. I remember they did it with, uh, oh, that little house on the prairie actor, Michael Landon. Yeah, Michael Landon. Yeah, he didn't even die from AIDS, but it was rife, like... AIDS was still, I mean, I, I read this when I was like six. I don't know why I still remember this, but <laughs> yeah, you know, this was, it was weaponized and used against us so much. So we really didn't have an incentive to be engaging in that kind of celebrity culture. Um, after Ellen came along in the early two to mid two thousands and kind of gave us an entertainment site of our own, 
where we could go and we could read about, you know, the actresses that were playing queer or actually queer actresses or, or uh, singers or poets or whatever. And it was a safe space. Mm-hmm. And somehow we have moved away from that kind of consumption into what you said, the straight consumption of celebrity culture, which is kind of this, it's a multiple part process. Well, there's, there's a specific mechanic. Like there's actually, it's sort of funny because there's just, there's another layer with us. There's another layer to it, but there's a specific mechanic where, um, there's, there's only so many people that you are capable of caring about personally, like deeply, intimately, personally, your brain has an upper limit of how much it can handle. You have empathy burnout. Um, so a lot of times you sort of reserve a lot of that brain power for the people you actually know and meet space and people who you don't know, strangers, celebrities, etc., sort of get relegated into the more general categories. And if you have a celebrity who you like very much and you start learning everything about them, you, which this is also the same mechanic that causes stereotypes, by the way, uh, and you start to learn everything about a celebrity, you start to feel like you uh, actually know them, but you actually don't. Because you know so much about them. So this is sort of like, it's this modern era short circuit in the way that our brains are wired for socialization. Mm-hmm. But this over this over-familiarity will eventually push people to have, I guess I'd say, unrealistic expectations of their right. celebrities. Because not only do you know everything about them, but you also know nothing about them. And so once you get a piece of information that contradicts the idea of them you built in your head, you get cognitive dissonance. And we all so know how well people react to cognitive dissonance. Yeah, it's, it's the plague of humanity. It truly is. A, well, lot, a, lot of ba- a lot of bad things in the world happen because people have cognitive dissonance. Right. Well, and part of what Elizabeth is talking about, where we start this kind of identification process, um, there's a term called the halo effect. Yes. And we'll put a link to that in the article. Um, and Elizabeth actually has a psychology background, and she can probably explain <laughs> this better than I can without me having to just, like, read out the definition. It's actually pretty – It's actually. Pre- I, was, I was impressed that you found this one on your own, but it's actually pretty hey. – Pretty. No, that was a genuine compliment because it's okay. like – Because, I mean, it's general psychology, but I think unless you took social psychology, you may have not, not covered this. But I'll, a lot – like, if you've taken a psych 101 class, you may have encountered this. Nope. Essentially – Okay, well, essentially the halo effect is that when you already perceive somebody to be good, everything that they do gets shrouded in a good light. So, say you have two co-workers. One of them is your best friend and you really like him. The other guy, you don't like very much. And they both come in late to work. If it's your friend who comes in late and he says, oh, I had a flat tire, you're like, that's cool, buddy, you know shit happens right because you know that's a reasonable thing but if the other guy says like oh i had a flat tire you'll be like what an irresponsible ass and he should be taking better care of his car it also works with yourself the the reverse effect is like the reverse halo effect i think right yeah. yeah so let's say for example of the halo effect um also let me just i'm gonna preface this i do love emily andress i have a framed photo of her and myself on my wall but this is kind of happening with andress where everything she touches turns to gold. Now, the inverse of this would be our little buddy Jason Rothenberg, who I'm still convinced that CW locked him in a basement somewhere and stapled his thumbs to his writing desk. 
and they only let him out once a year for Comic Con. <laughs> He's pretty much only the showrunner in, in name only at this point. Well, to be fair, Rothenberg <laughs> did commit something that was he pretty des- egregious. He deserved what happened to him. I don't know if I would say I, if he deserves to have the rest of his career. I don't know if it's he deserve if he quite deserved never work in Hollywood again. But I think that he doesn't really deserve to have his own well, show I ever mean, again. You can extrapolate that to the CW though, because you know, yes, after the 100 actually, happened, I see so many people. I mean, pardon my language, but shit talking the CW as though they are the bane of LGBT um, representation and. The to be fair, to be fair, they did kill off their share in the barrier gaze crisis of 2016. Did. I they swear did. this is actually going to be this is going to be in textbooks, people, because it was so on. It was so incredibly remarkable how many queer women died. Um, so they did their fair share of that, but they did learn. Well, they listen to you. My thing is, and actually, I might want to preface this. Um, I'm going to give a little bit of context. Um. I'm going to go back to the 90s, and I swear I'm not going to take too long to lead up to this point. Back okay. in the 90s, um, we had essentially Xena, and kind of later in the 90s, we had Buffy. And yeah. what the Xena fandom kind of gave birth to in the 90s, this is not the environment we have today. Um, you know, 2016, you know, that we've kind of dubbed the Spring Slaughter, when that occurred... It prompted a large-scale outcry by queer women. And, you know, very justifiably so. And, you know, this gained the mainstream attention um, partially because the sheer numbers of queer women who were being killed off. And then also our buddy Jason Rothenberg's handling of Lex's death. At which point, I think, honestly, his handling of that was kind of the flashpoint that really tipped (laughs) it over the edge. It wasn't just that, though. It was that we had, number one, so many queer female characters on TV. Number two, they crossed so many different networks. And number three, that they all died at once. And so this is the reason why we finally got listened to, is because there were so many of us talking, they couldn't just ignore it. Right. My point, though, is you actually just made it for me. There were so many queer women who were on there to be killed off. Yes. That even existed to be killed off. In 1990, we had the gayest of gay, I mean, they could bend over and shit out rainbows, Zena and Gabrielle. And they couldn't and even, even be out. Yeah, that's not really gay by modern standards. Right. So, for me, and I'm not saying, it, I'm not at all saying, you know, they should have been killed off. But we're, we as a community, we're, it's no longer the we're here, we're queer, get used to it stage. It's, we're here, we're queer everywhere, now stop killing us. <laughs> we are really here. <laughs> you know, yes. and if you look at the reaction by the media creators from the Spring Slaughter, I think it's honestly really remarkable what happened afterward that we started seeing in our shows. Um, you know, Obviously, Supergirl, we have Alex Danvers and Maggie Sawyer. Um, Legends of Tomorrow, and this one, I I love bringing this point out. They literally unburied their gay, well, unburied their <laughs> bi, 
And then yes. they made her the leader of a superhero time traveling team. Like they literally <laughs> unburied her and made her Doctor Who, essentially. This is the only reason that I watch Legends of Tomorrow is the moment that I realized that Sarah Lance was the real protagonist of the show. Yes. Um, <laughs> on Fox, Star, they have a character, Cotton, and she's a trans woman played by a trans woman, Amaya Scott. Um, the Handmaid's Tale with Offred, uh, Black, Black Mirror, we had San Junipero. Then we, on Netflix, we have One Day at a Time with mm-hmm. Elena. Um, you know, Easy had Vegan Cinderella. The Power Rangers movie had Trini. Black Sails, you know, Anne and Max got a happy ending. Um, Billions, there's a non-binary character on there named Taylor. Um, in comics, we have Batwoman that came back. Um, America Chavez got a, so- a solo run. And then Marvel also introduced uh, two new queer women, uh, Glory and Captain Marvel. And I mean, she's a gay Filipino disabled teen. And then Tony Ho over in U.S. Avengers, she's um, Iron Patriot. And okay, then, the point is, the yeah, point is there's point a lot is, of us. We've got, in the reaction time from that, we've actually gotten a lot of positive attempts at change. Yes. So, now so how does this, with the CW? I'm sure you're wondering. Yeah, I'm with sure the you're C- wondering how, what does this have to do with celebrity culture? Yeah, the CW. We finally reached the point. Yeah, I'm reaching the point. I just, I, I it's important for me to give the context, especially since yes. I spent all this time looking it up. Um, the CW actually, per ratio, has more uh, actors of color and LGBT main characters than just about any other network on television but because we kind of have this focused reverse halo effect thanks to Rothenberg that's extended to the CW we kind of have these blinders on and we're not really recognizing everything that we have after that we promise this is not just because we're salty that people don't like Supergirl we understand why people don't like Supergirl and we agree to disagree yes um, <laughs> I was like, because I'm, I'm sure someone, I'm sure one of you is going to correctly point out that I am the biggest Supergirl fan girl on the face of the planet. It's true, I own that. But, but you, but but the point <laughs> still stands that the CW still does employ and display a very wide range of actors in their net, their TV shows, and features quite a number of queer characters. And I believe most, if not all, of them survived this season. Yes. Um... And it's not just the CW, it also comes, you know, um, Netflix took something of a beating when they canceled sense Yeah. Um, and it's kind of, it's that reverse halo effect of once we see them as like, eh, we only see them doing the wrong. And it started last year with Netflix, though, with Pusey. Right. Yeah, and that was already, and so then going into this new season, a lot of people were already primed to hate everything that Netflix is going to put out. So, I mean, with like a safer example, it's not necessarily an actress. I think you guys can kind of see what we're talking about with the halo effect of some of us may irrationally harbor some ill will towards like Netflix or the CW for past actions that we may be unfairly cling to instead of acknowledging what they're doing now. Yeah, and the reason why we're using networks as opposed to necessarily specific celebrities quite yet is eh, some of this can be contentious. 
Yes. But it's hard to demonstrate the idea, but also because these things are related because the networks and the shows that these actors are associated with, uh, that does affect their perception as well. Right. So, it comes back to we as a community need to take a look in the mirror and see what we're internalizing from this mainstream celebrity culture. Yeah. And how are we treating the content creators, the networks, and the actors? And, you know, what are we guilty of? Like, and especially with networks, like, maybe not, like, individuals can be a little bit harder because there has, like, say, like, something like Jason Rothenberg. He would Mm -hmm. have to demonstrate to me a level of remorse for what he did in order for me to be like, okay, I'll give anything that he ever did a, a chance. Right. But... If it's a network, it's not a person, it's a company. The company wants your money. If you are loud enough, they will listen because they want your money. I know it seems very kind of cynical and callous, but, you know, I'm literally an accountant. So <laughs> money <laughs> money, m- money talks. It does. Money always talks. So, I mean, and also, you know, like networks clearly have demonstrated that they will change. Or even like, like with Sense8, the outcry was so drastic we're getting exactly what we asked for, which is a two-hour movie that's going to wrap everything up. I mean, they literally gave us what we asked for. I mean, like it, in a way that they could afford, obviously, but they gave yeah. us what we asked for. Or at least they gave us what I consider to be a perfectly acceptable compromise. Yes. Like, so, that's that's great. But we, we, need to, we need to be okay. Like, here's the thing. And I know that, like, there's a there's a tendency for us to be reactionary because a lot of the stuff that happens to us is just awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's some times where sometimes you just have to take the damn victory. Like, no, it's not great that Sensei isn't getting another season, but this uh, sometimes you have to be willing to compromise. And there are some things you some things that don't deserve to be compromised on. But this other see the the, the point I'm trying to get to is that we need to do this case by case. You can't just Throw the baby on the out back with bathwater. Exactly. Especially if we're talking about new shows coming onto networks that have made mistakes in the past. If you don't watch Black Lightning because of the hundred, I will personally send you I will draw a frowny face and I'll send it to you in the mail. Yes. That um, you can't do that. You can't withhold support from other shows that have content that we've been begging for just because of one person. Right. It's one thing. It's one thing if it's a, a network's entire stance. You know, like the WB used to be back in the day. That there are certain air quotes, certain things that they didn't support. That's not what they are now. Right. The, the, once upon a time, CW was a WB. God, we're so old. Oh. But you don't don't punish other shows, other actors, other writers, other technicians. Don't punish other people for something that a different show did. Because it's not because the because really you know. The network has the last say on some things, but they do actually give some autonomy to their showrunners. If there's a person to blame, it's the showrunner. It's not the network. Right. So, I mean, let's back this up, though. Um, I do want to kind of break down what the celebrity cycle is. Ah, yes. And, I mean, obviously it starts with you consuming that media. And by media, I mean the show, the actor, everything involved with it. And we start with, we've already talked about the halo effect. Yeah. And I'm going to say... It's also... Go ahead. I'm going to say, us as a community, 
And I get why. I, I truly understand why. But we are massively, massively guilty of this. And again, I completely understand why we are the way we are because we get so, we historically have had so little representation. So when we do have something, we cling to it. It's why some of us are still out there fighting the good fight trying to watch Game of Thrones for Lena Headey. I met Zoe Palmer and I almost fainted. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, we're yeah, not that's... saying we're not guilty of this too. If I ran into Lucy Lawless, I would scream like a two year old girl. Yeah, oh God, yeah. But, I mean, you can also be cognizant of the fact that we are affected by this. And we tend to um, exaggerate. And granted, though, like, this is this is not exclusive to us. Like, I don't know. I sincerely apologize that somebody listening is in the Marvel fandom, but I hope that you understand that you're guilty of this. That, you know, like, those, those 15 paragraph essays about Bucky's eye twitching in minute oh, 1235 of the Winter Soldier, something like that. You know what I'm talking about. But queer women, yeah, we do that all the time. <laughs> because yeah, we, we have so little, we have so little content, we just sit there and pick it apart to the point where, like, like, I guarantee you there's a frame-by-frame screenshot archive of every gay TV show ever produced. We gotta do what we gotta do, man. I mean... We obsess. Yeah, we obsess, because there's, so, there's so little. it goes back to, historically, we've had very limited content. So, we are very much predisposed to be affected by the halo effect. Yes, and then, in addition to that, the celebrities are actually starting to humor us, and that is brand new. I can And I can say, as far as how queers have changed how we interact with media this is one of the biggies right now it used to be you know lucy lawless renee o'connor they they knew where their bread was buttered they 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 couldn't publicly acknowledge it but the mid-2000s we didn't really get that it was like the queer the queer the queer baby wasteland was like the early to mid-2000s yeah it's the reason why the L word was so popular, despite being so problematic, I think, was there because was nothing. that was all there was. There was nothing. But then Glee came along. Glee, oh, okay. Here's where we're going to really start getting into Glee. It's just because I'm going to link to Elizabeth's last piece on Glee. Glee changed so much of the fandom landscape. And a big part of that was because of our darling and one of my few genuine celebrity crushes, Naya Rivera. And this is really unfortunate. Um, I'm going to, we're going to talk about her as we continue to go through this cycle, but Glee really changed the fandom landscape. And it was really one of the first shows that kind of stepped back and listened and saw that yes there's a queer audience for this and instead of being you know queer bait you're like "Eh," like okay and part of that was you know you had ryan murphy as the showrunner but at some point one of those actresses had to stick their neck out and be like yes let's do this i'm okay with doing this i i want to do it and that was naya rivera and let me remind you at that time we still did not have gay marriage. Um, don't ask, don't tell. Still hadn't quite been repealed yet. We were having a massive slate of gay teen, young gay youth suicide. Naya Rivera was also quite still, you know, still quite young at the time, and also still quite unknown. Glee was and the first big thing that she was boot, in. She's a woman of color, 
Yeah, she's a woman of color, and she wasn't even a, a starring role. She was a, I don't even think she was a recurring in the first season. She got promoted right. for, for this storyline. She got promoted for this storyline. So uh, what we're trying to say is there was actually quite a bit of risk for her just to even stick her neck out and say, yes, let's do this. This is the kind of thing that ends careers. It has happened to hundreds and thousands of actors before her. So... Because, but because it worked out for her and because it's been working out for people going forward, I think we're starting to forget how big of a risk this was. It, I mean, and I we can't... We have to not forget that. I can't overstate. Like, that really could have ruined her career. Yeah, it could have. Any actress at this time, but especially, like, an actress of color, this was a huge risk. And I and, think we really have kind of taken that for granted now. Yeah. And the other thing is, is that this came about also right at the like sort of the apex of when social media had become integrated into our lives, to the point that we no longer interacted weirdly with it. This is, gonna, mm-hmm. this is sort of hard to explain, but I think like I'm going to say like 2009, 2010, that the point at which most people had iPhones or some sort of phone that could run Twitter is the point where this modern celebrity culture starts. Right. As the, the point at which we all sort of accepted the fact that, oh, well, you always give yourself like. My mother used to just go shopping and not be in the house when her work would co- on our days off when work would call her for on calls or for to ask her to to cover a shift because if she's not home she can't answer the phone. Like this is something that we just we just don't this doesn't exist in the modern world. You were always connected. If your boss calls you at 4 a.m., there's actually a good chance you'll answer the damn phone. Right. But I've and done then that. But we expect to say, but the thing, also that we, you know, as normal people, we all sort of just post about our inane lives or post things that we like on our Tumblr or Twitter or whatever. I mean, this is just, it's just sort of that, uh, like, about 2010, 2011 is when we just sort of evolved this way. This is, this just become, became normal. It stopped being seen as something narcissistic and it's just part of who we are as human beings. But part of that. And we, we expect this from the celebrities as well. And this causes a problem. Well, and. It's a twofold problem leading up to this. One, we had really unprecedented connection with each other and ability to mobilize as a fandom, and we saw this take off with Glee. And it's yes. not just the Glee fandom that started this, but we started seeing this really large scale conflation of canon versus fanon. And we'll get into that in another topic in another episode. But what came about with this is with certain elements of our community, we started insisting that our actors conform to our head canons instead yes. of, you know, the actual show canons. This is actually sort of, I mean, it took a long time to come around to this, but like, this is the thing is that this whole, all of these issues are so intertwined, you have to talk about all of it. Right. Uh, but this... This idea that this this halo effect combined with what I had talked about earlier about how you have, you know, it's the same as having a crush on somebody you don't really know, that you have this ideal this idealization that you've built up in, in your head, and when something they do or say counteracts this, it causes cognitive dissonance. And actually, you know, it's funny, is this isn't just about bad things. This isn't when a celebrity, you know, like the, like the great fall, this is not like the great fall of Jennifer Lawrence. This could even just be like, this particular celebrity doesn't like chocolate cake. And in your head canon and in all your fan fiction that you've written, that uh, the character that this actor plays likes chocolate cake. Mm-hmm. And this is enough to cause cognitive dissonance. Because that's just, I mean, it's not, it's not bad that you 
think this way or that that's your first reaction to it because that's what emotions are. You can't control them. But how you react to those emotions are entirely in your control. That's where I think, and I, I don't want to have this come across as like, again, we all have this problem, but there is this sense of over-identification. Um, it's turning into entitlement. Right. So there's boundaries that we used to really respect, and some of it was because we had to. We didn't have the technology that would kind of just let us gleefully get carried away. But there are certain boundaries that, you know, you still, at the end of the day, the actress is the actress and the character is the character. And, you know, as Elizabeth said, when we had this kind of 24-7 technology where everybody's connected and all the fandoms are connected, it's 100% fanon versus canon versus whatever going on all the time. So it's those also boundaries that- get very blurred. They do. And also, like, and this is another addendum, like, how many of you are actually exactly in real life how you present yourself on Tumblr or on Twitter or on Instagram? So that's, and especially if you're talking about celebrities, because, I mean, you never really know. It could actually just be branding, or maybe that is who they really are. Like, Alicia Dedham Carey, I absolutely believe 100% that she tells her iPhone goodnight. That's super cute, and it's adorable that her roommate posted that story, but... You also have to remember, this is like a super intimate piece of information to have. The only way you could possibly know that about her is if you lived with her or if you slept in the same bed with her or, you know, like it's your your roommate, you know, someone who she knows intimately. And I feel like as a culture, we sometimes forget to take a minute and stop and think about how odd it is that we not only want to know this information, but demand it. I, I mean, they're human beings, too. And my my thought on this is, this is what I say, is I understand why you want to know more about, like, your favorite actress or whatever. Again, Lucy Lawless, totally get it. But at the <laughs> end of the day, if I don't want somebody tweeting out the fact that I talk to my Echo and say thank you every time she does something for me... <laughs> Or that I cheated on my diet or that I left the light on in the bathroom. I don't want those little details getting out for Lord knows how many people to see and comment on. Then I should extend that same courtesy to somebody who is a celebrity. And the thing is, is that like it's the good thing is, though, is I feel like the queer community at least has some good sense about where bound where um we do know where like the really gross boundaries are like usually if there's a nudes leak for a celebrity that we like we're not the one sharing it right so we're good about that we're actually really good about trying to shut that down (laughs) yeah we're good about shutting that down we're good about episode leaks we're good about like with the the um the cora comics people were really good about that Mm um so like it's, it's we interesting still remember like, when, you know, outing was a form of violence. You know, there are still things that we remember. Yeah. Or like, you know, uh, like not quite queer, but, you know, like Carrie Fisher's autopsy reports. Like I right. saw a post on Tumblr was like, like she died of none of your damn business. Yes. Yeah. Like, so we, it's not like we have no concept of boundaries. We absolutely do. In fact, probably better than especially certain queer women, I'm sure, have the greatest sense of boundaries on the face of the planet. Right. But when it's something like the see that's what I said like that the problem is is that when it's something positive it sort of short circuits our ability to self police ourselves. Mm-hmm. I said self too many times there. Because, you know, we know that somebody 
posting, say, like, pictures of, of Alicia Denham Carey in a bathing suit without her permission, we'd say, yeah, that's a violation. But her roommate posting to her in, you know, 30,000 followers or 30,000 fans is like, hey, here's something that Alicia does. That's, like, kind of a blurry line, but because it's a positive thing and it's cute and her friend is doing it as, with the intention of making, you know, because like, it's cute. It is cute that she does that. Or that she loves squids. Like, I'm, I'm sure she doesn't love them anymore because everyone brings them to her for, for conventions. <laughs> She's so sick of squids. But it's something intimate. And, you know, it's yeah. maybe positive, but it's still a very intimate detail. Yeah. And so because it's positive, we sort of stop and forget that, like, wow, isn't it weird that we know this? And that it wasn't written down. Because it used to be, if you knew these things about celebrities, it would be, like, in an article in Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. Or it'll be in a biography about the band. Things like that. But that's information that they've authorized to be given out. A lot of, like, a lot of my issues with this has to do with whether or not someone has given consent. Their consent, yeah. Or if not, if not consent, if they weren't persuaded to be this personable to their public, even if they don't necessarily want to be. And it's pretty clear to me that Alicia Dunham Carey does not like to be out in the spotlight. Well, you see, um, another actress, uh, Katie McGrath. Yeah. That our community absolutely loves. Um, she and is she also, maintains an air. She maintains an air of mystery. She doesn't have social media. She's very, very private. Yeah. And for the most part, I think outside of a few, and this is why we have this episode. People, we respect that. Yes. The problem is, is there's a lack of boundaries with certain elements. That kind of leads to, I don't know how you say, pissing in the soup? A bit. That Okay, guys, I'm going to be real blunt and real crass here. You go forgive me for this. And this might, this might offend somebody, but I just want you to think about it for a couple of seconds, and I think you'll see that I'm right. When you're writing things like, I want Katie McGrath to raw me, and you write those in a public forum with your name attached to it, or even if it's anonymous... If Katie McGrath saw that, she'd probably be a little weirded out. And I know that she's cool with the fan fiction. She thinks that she's like, oh, this is like incredibly amusing. And she shows it to to Melissa Benoist. And there are some celebrities who are like that. Like there's Caitlin Alexander and Sharon Bell were reading Carmilla fan fiction as part of their show early. Like this is like, I think this is before they did publish. But like some of the, I mean, some celebrities okay with that, but like, when you write these things, just think for a minute, especially since you know so much about the celebrity, would the celebrity be okay with me saying this? Just be mindful of your forum. And even then, mm-hmm. like, it's one thing to see it on Tumblr because Tumblr, Tumblr is sort of insulated and like, okay, it's more of a, a community. But Twitter, Twitter, it's like, don't tweet out there. it at them. Don't, don't tweet, tweet it, at, it at them. I was like, Katie McGrath's kind of a bad example because she doesn't have Twitter. But yeah, um, guys, don't. Don't tweet to Cat Barrel the things that you want to do to her. It's inappropriate. <laughs> well, it's again with boundaries. We can you can appreciate them privately. You can appreciate them privately all you want. The problem comes when you take that private appreciation and then you add it to the actress. Okay, and here's the other thing is that the, and there's because I'm, I'm sure somebody might say it's like oh well we can't write fan fiction or fan art absolutely. Do that to your heart's content about the character they play, mm-hmm. not about the actress. It's perfectly fine to like somebody and like everything they've done in their career. However, they are not the characters you, they play. When you're, yeah, when you're talking about like, gra- like especially like, um, especially fan art, 
because um, you know you you can get your ass sued into oblivion if you're not careful with this. Um, with with graphic fan art and graphic fan fiction, write it about the characters and make it clear that it's about the characters, yes. and don't let that line blur. Because mm-hmm. fiction is fiction, and fiction exists in the world of fiction. But the second that these things start crossing over into reality, and your because this is this again, like like I said, this all ties together. That your ideal, the mental image you built up in your head of these actors based upon the characters they play, eventually you're gonna you're going to hit cognitive dissonance with this, and that can lead to probably, something else. Yes, it's our little friend called Schadenfreude. Oh, God. If, if you don't know what Schadenfreude is, there was a musical in the early 2000s, and again, I'm showing my age, called Avenue Q. There's Fuck you, lady. Song. That's what stairs are for. Yeah, there's a song that perfectly <laughs> sums up what Schadenfreude is. It's literally called Schadenfreude. It's I laughing will, at someone else's misery. Yeah, I will. It's taking satisfaction in somebody else's pain. I will link. I'll have a YouTube video at the bottom of our post article for this podcast so you can watch it. <laughs> But once that halo starts to dim, because we put so much time and effort into this person, well, we want to still get something out of it. We tend to get vicious when we're betrayed. Yeah, so the schadenfreude comes into play. We, We get that cognitive dissonance, and then once that happens, like Elizabeth said, the schadenfreude comes out, the claws come out, we get kind of vicious. Yeah. And... I'm sorry. Again, this is not the entire community. But there have been just appalling, appalling, like I am literally clutching my pearls horrified comments over actresses in the last some years that have had cognitive dissonance we're in and the schadenfreude has set in. And they don't deserve this just because they don't live up to what you had built them up to be. And I mentioned Naya Rivera earlier, and this... There was a reason for that. Yeah. The way our community, elements, I should say, of our community has turned on her once Glee ended is... And Astounding. I'm going to come out and say it. I think it's shameful. I think so too. Um, the comments I've seen about her, the slut shaming, the where they accused her of being gay for pay. What gay for pay? What? <clears throat> Elizabeth, okay. you you can address this better than I can. I get a little upset. okay. Okay. No. All right. And here's this is another thing that I I really wish I could just put this like at the top of every fandom tumbler for television and film so i'm sorry i'm a boring person this is going to be a boring topic let me talk to you about california employment law so in the state of california it is against the law to ask somebody in an interview what their race is what their sexual orientation is their uh their gender or their trans status or um, their marital status. You any you can't ask any of it. You can't ask any of these questions. California has some of the strictest anti-discrimination laws on the face of the earth, which is fantastic. But the side effect of this means that when you're casting a gay role, which actually I will also add, Naya Rivera was not cast specifically for this. The part was eventually written around her and because of her support. 
that's a unique situation. But when we're talking about characters who are explicitly gay, so like Maggie Sawyer, um, and also this kind of plays into the other controversy about Maggie Sawyer, they're not legally allowed to ask. So mm-hmm. when a straight per- when a straight person is cast to play a gay character, it is often because they are not allowed to actually ask this question, and so they have to cast based upon your excuse me your uh, your your how famous you are, how much you're asking for, whether or not you're right for the part. Often, the first thing, the first decision that goes, or the the first factor that goes into this is uh, how white you are. Let's just be blunt. Yeah. Um, that certain people will always have an advantage over others in this. It's terrible, and it's a racist system, but there is a, at least in part, a legitimate reason why this does happen, and we do actually need to keep those laws... Because otherwise, no gay people and no people of color would ever get cast with anything. Well, the system has the system has good intentions, but it can be easily corrupted. This is the problem. The system itself is not the problem. But so when people say things like, "Oh, well, this," like like recently, Kyler Lee apparently some people were saying things about this. And okay, I believe that I remember Kyler Lee talking about how she had a air quotes a thing with a female friend when she was younger. Um... Like, clearly, it's she's not pulling this out of thin air. She clearly, obviously, really cares about this. Like, to say, like, oh, she's just playing gay for money. Like, how dare you? It is possible for straight people to care about this. In fact, we need them to care about this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's great. It, and like, it, it's, it's great <laughs> when, gay, when gay actors disclose their status to an employer and it works out. And they get cast in roles that represent themselves. Like, um, they're oh still, God, pl- they're still play, playing gay for pay, though. They are, but they're actually gay. But that's what, when right. people say gay for pay, what they mean is that you're faking it. My issue is we're not holding, say, like the Winona Earp actresses, Catherine Burrell or Dominic yeah. Rose Chocolate. Or they're definitely Zoe Palmer. As far as we know. Or yeah. any of the others that are our current darlings, we're not holding them up to that scrutiny. No, because, and that's the other thing, is that we don't, like, and there are people who will say it even early on, but the general po- the general consensus on these actresses often tends to be an all-on or all-off sort of thing, which I don't like. There is this, like, really strong tendency towards dichotomy mm-hmm. with within queer fandom that we either really love something or we really hate something, and we gotta get... Like and this kind of, this goes back to like the the diversity podcast when I said like if you want the tens you have to support the sevens. This is also related to that that we we need to be able to say something is just okay. We need to be able to enjoy things that are okay without having to build them up into our heads into an unobtainable ideal. Yes, and we especially also especially need... with real people. Yeah, and we need to be mindful of the fact that real people can make mistakes. We make mistakes. You yeah. make mistakes. Yeah. You know, it's not fair for us to try and force perfection onto other people when we're not willing to, you know, try and live up to that ourselves. Yeah, and, the, and like, sort of, like, the larger, the larger point of this discussion, the reason why we're talking about this, is that we, we would really like you guys to stop slut-shaming actresses on Twitter. Yeah. And Please. The forums. Yeah. We do check the forums from various places. Yeah. We know we, what you say. We know. It's not we good. know. Look, we know what people say in the dark corners of the internet. 
And I don't like how much some of those really terrible things kind of, they sort of resemble the gross things that a certain other subset of people say in the dark corners of the internet. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, duh. We are not them. Not by a long shot. But on the other hand, like, man, you guys really say some really gross things sometimes. And again, we're we're not saying... (laughs) And I, I, hate, I have to keep saying this because I don't want a not all queer woman response. We're not saying the entire community does this. Most okay, of queer our ladies. Most yeah. of our community is actually very good, and there's a motorcycle outside. Very good and respectful. Um, Clexicon was a perfect example of, you know, melding the creators and the actresses with their fans and having just a great weekend. Um, a very Eliz- positive experience. Yeah, Elizabeth and Gretchen were panelists last year. Um, they're having a second one this year. Um, it's in April, <clears throat> April fifth uh, through ninth. We may be returning. We'll know by January. Um, so you know, it's we're not saying it's just impossible for us to be decent. Obviously, no. we are. <laughs> we were super decent. We had Clexicon. Um, I went to the TGI. Thank goodness it's Sunflash. Sunflash. Yeah. Uh, it's a smaller meetup in Los Angeles. Gretchen and Elizabeth also were there. I mean, we're not saying this is everybody, but it's enough of a vocal minority that it's become a problem. When I say you, I'm it's it's a plural. It's a plural you, yes. and it's not an accusatory you. It's the same reason why, like you know, like when I wrote the article about Batman, I used the amalgam angry Jack. Yeah. Because often saying you can sound accusatory, and that's not how it's... That's not how I mean it. I'm not accusing anybody, unless you're guilty, accusing you of saying gross things on the internet. But there are some people who do, and I wanted to stop because it reflects so poorly upon the rest of us. And And the rest of us are... I'm worried that if this becomes a pattern, Mm -hmm. that it's going to be much harder to get actresses to be accessible to us in the future. And again, it's not just getting actresses to be accessible to us. I mean, celebrity culture as a whole has a problem with that. Um, Yes. I mean, oh my goodness, I feel so sorry for anybody who was ever a member of One Direction. (laughs) Um, But... You know, as a whole, the film slash community, I, I think we like to hold ourselves to a higher ideal. We do. And I don't like seeing a vocal minority essentially shitting on all the work that the rest of us try to do. Yes. And also, like, I mean, this is just, I mean, to, I mean well, okay, to me, this is like basic social psychology stuff, but like, these the halo effect, the reverse halo effect, these in group, out group dichotomies, these are important things. These are things people need to be aware of. Mm-hmm. And these are things that play into a lot of why why certain aspects of fandom and certain subsets of fandom go toxic. These things are worth discussing because if you really sit down and think about the think the topics that we've discussed today, you can even see like, oh, this is how a fandom goes bad. Mm-hmm. These are the mechanics that cause a fandom to go bad, causes them to splinter or start shipping wars. These things are all related to each other. And if you can start to learn to recognize these patterns and behavior, then, you know, you're equipped to be able to push back against it yourself. Exactly. Because I wrote, because remember, like, I wrote that, it's actually one of my more popular articles, 
but I'm quite proud of it, so I'm proud to bring it up. Like, the first article I wrote this year was the context and fandom, uh, or context and fandom writing. And, like, that article was about, uh, about making sure you watch all the content, but it also was, as you read the bottom part of it, is that we have a responsibility to not be hyperbolic. Mm -hmm. Hyperbolic, hyperbolic, whatever. You know what word I mean. We have a responsibility as writers, but even also as fans, to not be extremely reactionary. We need to think things through. And a lot of it is being mindful of... Well, not just other behavior, but yours as well. I mean, you may have some of these patterns. And again, we all have halo effect. But if you're mindful that it exists, then you can start realizing, oh, I maybe went a little bit too far here. Yeah. And really, you know, like there's a, that old saying, like there's two ways to dehumanize somebody. You can degrade them or you can put them on a pedestal. Right. And what we do is the latter. And it is still dehumanizing. And I just, we... With celebrity culture and the way that it works now, we really need to be more cognizant and more aware of treating human beings like human beings. It's with the fan, it, how it is now with our community is we have a lot of really amazing people. And then there's certain fans that are quite vicious and toxic. And I'm not going to apologize for saying that because we know it's true. It's like you have a certain fan, and we have a shirt that says Schrodinger's asshole. The person who... (laughs) Elizabeth actually came up with this. We have a shirt that says Schrodinger's asshole. And right now with our community, it's you're looking at a fan, and you don't know if they're like, oh, yes, I'm supportive, or the moment you see them on the Internet... They're that asshole. So it's Schrodinger's <laughs> asshole. I don't know if you're a super awesome person or if I see what you talk about online, if I'm going to get the vapors. Yeah, that's also like the, the original context of it. Um, it's the it's a person who tells a racist joke and then decides whether or not they were joking after you get offended. But this is sort of like, but it's the same. It, it's the Schrodinger's asshole is that... Uh, Look, here's the problem, is that the way that the outside world views queer lady fandom is they view us as Frodinger's asshole. We are potentially the worst thing ever. You know, like the way that people talk about social justice warriors in that very sarcastic tone. Like, that's that's because there are a few people who who do act this way. It makes them perceive all of us this way. And that's not fair. No, it's not. And also, you shouldn't do it anyway because you know better. Yeah, that point too. You 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 do know better. If you nobody wouldn't can, say it, nobody can anonymously come onto the site and tell me you don't know better than to slut shame an actress for not being in a re- secret relationship with her co-star. You know what oh I'm talking God. about. You know what I'm talking about. You know what's funny? I actually don't even know which one you're specifically referring to. Okay, you know the scenarios I'm talking about. Yes. The point, yeah, guys, leave the Diana Agron and Leah Michelle alone. Don't piss in the soup for everybody else. The rest of you, you're great. You're amazing. We love being in the community with you, but we do want you to be aware of how these behaviors start so you can be empowered to either catch it in yourself or, you know, to push back when you see it. Yeah, and to also, like, take a minute to be, and that's sort of like the, the, the underlying thing is, take a once in a while, to sort of take a minute to... Uh, this is not like the, there are kids starving in Africa speech, although it's kind of 
maybe a little bit that. But once in a while, you like just just kind of be okay with saying, "All right, we've made some progress." Like, yes, yes. of course, we should always be critical. I mean, we'd be out of a job if we weren't. Um, but sometimes but, just let someone fucking live, man. Yeah, just Woman, let people live, person. and sometimes, yeah, sometimes just be like, "Okay, that was not great. How can we do better?" Because just even like with the hundred, it's I mean, it was a season. Um, <laughs> like Gretchen, Gretchen rightfully ripped it to shreds for all of the things that went wrong with it. But you know what? It was an improvement. If we want things to get better, be critical. But when things do improve, be willing to admit that they are. Don't and let perfect be the enemy of good. Exactly. And also just remember that these celebrities are people. There's like an actual person sitting on the toilet reading what you say to them. That's actually a good way to think of it. Like, just just imagine, like, if somebody text messaged me this sentence while I was sitting on the toilet, would I be, like, grossly offended or really weirded out? Just just say that to yourself in your head before you send it out. Because if the answer, the answer is yes, is yes you should. Then don't send don't it. Don't tweet it. Don't tweet it. Yeah. Or Facebook it or whatever. Don't send exactly. it. If, if this popped up on somebody's notification screen while they're at dinner with their friends or with their parents... It just popped up, like, so-and-so tweeted at you this sentence, and another person at the table accidentally looked at that phone screen and read it. Would they be horrified? Ask yourself this. If the answer is no, then go ahead. The answer is yes, and again, don't do the thing. <laughs> don't do the thing. All Stop right. tweeting actresses. You want to raw them. My God. Yeah, like, please. It, 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 happens it happens frequently enough that I, could, I feel the need to mention it specifically by name. Yeah, again, boundaries. Um, so we're running out of time. We're going to wrap yes. this up. I'm going to say this again. Not all queer women or queer persons, not all queer people. But you but know some who of you us. are. If you're listening to this, you, you know what you're guilty of. Just, just stop it, please. Yes. And for the rest of you, thank you for being so nice and such a positive example for our community. And, you know, if you see this behavior... We hope you help us and, you know, kind of saying, don't do the thing. It's not cool. Yeah, don't do the thing. All right. We're all, like, and honestly, like, we're all adults here. Or we're yeah. all, almost adults. We are all old enough to know better. Yes. All right. Uh, like, subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, we would love to hear what you guys have to say as usual. Um, we'll have some links in the article for this for you to uh, do some further reading on if you'd like. And... Yeah, if you want to share this article out, you know, tell us what else you want to hear. Just talk to us. We love talking to you. Yes, we love Please. we love emails and comments. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for tuning in. We will be back in another week or two with another episode. Don't miss it. And bye. Bye. <laughs>